All right, everyone, welcome back on into another episode of Cernig. Today, my guest is Soren Staff of Them Coolie Boys, a band that I was not familiar with until fairly recently, but one I have come rather obsessed with, uh, even more so after doing some research before today's interview, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But Soren, first, thank you so much for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. It goes without saying for anyone who knows about your band that energy and good vibes and just great music are what you're all about. And I really want to start there. Um, I do want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about your background, but I think that was the that was the initial thing that drew me to your band when I got to see you live in Charlotte back in April. Uh, and then I, you know, doing some research and everything, and I noticed that energy and sincerity in your music is important. Can you tell us a little bit about why that is? Um, you know, I think it's something that we built our like brand on. I mean, like this is all of our really like first real band. You know, we all played in little bands in high school, but like Cooley Boys is all five of us like first real or at least like me, Bo and Gents, the core three guys who started it. It was our first like real um, foray into making music and doing it as a profession. And like when we were starting that, like we weren't that good of musicians. So like <laughs> we're and we still aren't. So you know what you do is like you you augment that. Like you say, well, yes, of course we can improve there, but where can we make up for that difference between like these polished players? Is like and we always said, well, like we'll do that in the sincerity, do that in the energy, like control the things that you can control to make it a good show. Um, when you're lacking in other places, I think it was like a necessity thing for sure. It was just like, Hey, how do we stick out? Um, when we lack the skill, so to speak. Um, so that's just something I think that we built ourselves on. And now that with the skills have come, uh, it's just stuck around. It's fun. Do you ever find that it's hard to replicate that energy that you had when you were you know, younger and just getting started and really kind of had nothing to lose because you hadn't really developed a reputation? Now you have a reputation, you have a following right. and it's like, and, and like you said, you have more skills, so you're better musicians. Like, is it harder to replicate that energy night after night when you're out on tour? You know, the nice part about it is that like, we like to play songs from like all of our eras like so to speak I'm, I'm thinking of taylor swift now thinking of eras but um you know like we we have the opportunity to kind of lean back into those old moments by playing those older songs you know like as i've progressed as a writer you know like a lot of those first songs were just me figuring it out you know and and like i look back on some of those words and some of those things and i cringe now at, or like <laughs> Or, you know, back then, like, I didn't have the strength of writing to, like, lean on that I could just stand there and sing it to you. You know, I had to convince you. Um, and, like, I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to bring that energy because you've been doing it for a long time. But, like, um, we've just been mixing a lot of the older ones back in. And it just, like, feels fresh. I don't know. We, we've we been a band now for 10 years. And we, we we've put out four records, recorded a fifth one. And, you know, there's just a lot of music out there. And it's just, a, I mean, like the sheer amount of places that we can go with it is 
I think what keeps it from getting stale. Yeah. Yeah. I, I bet the accomplishments of, like you said, just staying together so long and then getting out on the road together and all of that's got to be enough of an adrenaline rush at the very least to keep it going yeah. on a uh, regular basis. So uh, talk to me then a little bit, you know, just about your personal experience with music growing up. Like, you know, when, I guess, when did you think it could be something that you could take seriously you know like you said it didn't happen until uh more recently but i'd love to know a little bit more about your upbringings in music yeah i mean like i grew up like around music my parents put me in piano lessons um me and my brother jens was also in the band uh where we were always singing in like the church choirs uh doing that kind of thing so it was just like around um and then my cousin gave me his acoustic guitar when I was like 15 or 16. And that's where it kind of changed. And I like started this punk band in high school. We weren't punk. We just played loud and fast. Um, we were just like basketball jocks that thought we were cool. Um, but, you know, like it, like the whole, it, it was always around. And the moment that it started to feel like, even when we started Coolie Boys, like I met Bo, we worked at a summer camp up in northern Wisconsin. We were both counselors up there and we would play music all day for these kids. And there was like chemistry there that was just like undeniable. But like it took years to kind of like convince ourselves that it was an actual something that we could pursue. You know, like we always like to say that we never thought we were going to get out of the basement. We thought we were just going to be having fun jamming and we started playing for people and found out that there was like a response there that was cool. And, and I think, I think every band, like when they feel that, get that back from the crowd sometimes then it kind of legitimizes like, Oh, like all this stuff we've been working at, like it's, it's real. It's not just like in our heads in this communal, you know, delusion, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Sure. Sure. I've heard comedians say that, uh, that, that immediate feedback that you get yeah. from the crowd. So that's really interesting that you bring that up and quick shout out to Bo before I have my next follow up during that Charlotte show, the banjo that he was playing the string broke. I don't know if you're oh, yeah. just in the middle, in the middle of the song, you know, working on fixing the, the string, getting a new one, putting it on and everything. I just thought that was the coolest thing. It's so funny because like, as we've become more professional, we've gotten way better instruments like breaking a string now is is such a rare occurrence like but like back in the day like we would have a string count like during the like how many i like there were shows where i broke five or six strings and it was like who could get the string on the fastest like oh i got the string on during the bridge right there and i finished it before i came in for the third verse it was this cool thing and then it was just like why are we playing with such horrible instruments that like we can't like function? So it's like, yeah, yeah. That, that, that like the roughness and the rawness, like you kind of grow out of it a little bit, but like when you have moments like that, like live where we broke the string, it's like, it's it kind of reminds you that, that, I don't know, reckless abandon kind of part that we used to have. Sure. sure. It almost, it, it almost makes it feel to me at least like it would, it would feel more real. Yeah. Uh, you know, versus like just being, you know, so things are so overdubbed these days mm -hmm. with music, it seems like, and, and so overproduced. And it's like, this is just 
you on stage with your instruments and <laughs> if they break, they break. Like, you know, some, you got to work. Through yeah. That. People respond real. They can smell the, the BS, you know? So it's like, we, we think it's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, when you, when you get together, the band forms, so you said that was 10 years ago yeah. at this point, did, is it just like, you know, the, the four of you or yeah, it was, uh, no, five of you total, right. Um, that you, did you just decide, Hey, we're going to get together. Do you have any representation? Like how, how does it work where you just decide like, Hey, we're going to be a band one day and start recording music. Well, that was the thing. It was, it was me and Bo that first summer. And that was in 2011. We weren't even thinking about being a band. And then my brother came and worked the next summer with us. And that's when we started like kicking around the idea of playing with stuff. And then I had a buddy who was going to school for like music engineering. And he said, Hey, I have a senior capstone project where I need to like record something. And I know you guys have been like playing songs that are, are songs that you've written. Like, do you think this is something we could do? And like, that was kind of the, the genesis of like, you know, we had played a show before that, but it was like a, a bunch of covers and, you know, maybe a handful or whatever. But then like, it was just my buddy being like, Hey, I need to do this for school. Would you guys want to do this? We did it overnight in his like living room where his dogs would bark too loud if we got too loud. So it's just like the weirdest recording experience. Um, but it was fun and like it was addicting and it was, we had this thing now that we could call ours and show to people. And um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I I don't think it's a real conscious decision. It just, it's, it, it just happens. You know I mean? It was like, okay, do you guys, we have this thing. Do we want to play some shows now? And we like booked our own selves for a while. And then we found an, a manager, uh, our manager, Parker, who's been with us for like the last seven years, but we did it on our own for a while and that was crazy. And, um, but yeah, you know, we picked up Neil about six years ago to play bass and picked up Stash three and a half, four years ago to play drums. And I don't know, it, it's, it's, there's never like a moment of like, okay, I mean, we, okay, I take that back. There was one, we played a, our second show ever. We were playing in, in the apple orchard and it was outside in October in Wisconsin. So it's 20 degrees. If that, you know, it's cold as heck and we are just miserable. The three of us struggle through this song, this set opening for Charlie Parr. I'm not sure if you're aware of him. He's this legendary guy from the Midwest and we're like, we're messing up. We're screwing up in front of Charlie. We go out to the parking lot and we're like, okay, what's the deal? Like, is this going to be a thing? Or are we just like messing around? And I think that was like the decision, but like, I don't think we took it seriously until like years later. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we count as yeah. our birthday. <laughs> October. October. That's, yeah. That's really cool. So when either the, uh, the documentary comes out or, or whatever, that'll, that'll be a great place to kick off the story. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, and the cool part about it is we've come back every year to that place, like, and we've headlined it nice. for the last like nine years or whatever. We've been playing it longer than we've been an actual band. We like to say, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, very cool. Very cool. Uh, so you mentioned songwriting yeah, and, uh, you know, cringing at some of the things that you wrote in the past. So I imagine that you feel at least um, yourself that you've gotten better as a songwriter and that uh, the songs are 
you know, as a result, better overall. Can you walk me through two things? Like first, how did you get better? And second, like, can you give us an example of how you would go about writing a song? Like just, I, I don't know, break it down, when you say, simplify it, I guess. When you say, how do you get better? Do you mean like, like the results or like the process of how? Yeah, the process. Okay. I would love to know. Um, yeah. I mean, the process of, and what was the second question there? Just uh, if you can simplify it and like break down, like if you were to start writing a song right now, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. you know, like what that would look like. Yeah. I mean, as far as like how I got better, I think I just like dedicated more of my time to it and more of my, and it's not even like setting aside time to write. It's just like, I think the space in your brain, um, you know, like a lot of times when I was first doing this, like I, you know, there was this sense of like fatalism to the whole thing is like this band could end any moment. So just get these songs out there, whatever. Like this is a volatile thing. Let's just like release as many things as you can. And it's just because, and also it just like feels good. You know, you're, you're just like, Oh yeah, I wrote a song. Let's do it. And like, then it became this like, Oh wow. That song was, that song's really, really powerful. I want to like chase that again. And I think like I just fell into more like being more intentional about like, I read something years ago, like that Bob Dylan said something about like, you want to make every line in a song sound like the first line of a song. And I've just been kind of obsessed with that, with the like, no throwaway lines, no, like I, 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 there songs are puzzles a lot of times in my brain for me. And like, I, it, there's an indescribable kind of euphoria that comes when you figure it all out. And I think like, I just got obsessed with that. And like, the more I did it, the better it got. Um, and like, to circle back to that other question of, you know, like, if I was just gonna like start a song right now, I think like, it starts with that, like, being open that I kind of mentioned, like, I was... I, you know, having been around the songwriter community for a while now, like, and, and especially our hometown of Claire, there's a lot of artists and there's a lot of people that are up and coming and they'll come to me and they ask and, not, and like, I don't have any tips or tricks for like getting the words out there. I think just like the most powerful thing is to like be open and be looking for inspiration. Like, um, you know, our, we live our lives and that's where we draw for, from our art. And like, I think just like realizing that's where you draw from it is, is so powerful. Like to like, Hey, this interaction that I'm having with you, Colin, you know, like I felt this thing and it made me, uh, it's just like, Oh, there's a feeling there. Let's follow that. Is there something to pursue? You know, I think like songs for me start with that, that gut feeling of like, Oh, I was moved can I talk about that? And then like, once I can talk about that way in like a clever or a beautiful way, that's when I get excited about it. That's awesome. You know, I, I like, like just for example, I like something, I would say something about this, like thick rimmed glasses sounds cool in my head. You know what I mean? And, and then I'd be like, okay, how can I make that sound cool? Or how can I make that sound clever? And then I'll try to figure out that puzzle because 
we're having this exchange now that feels real, you know? I think being open to be the realness is the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's almost like you're just being so perceptive to what's around you and you're able to like I'm I'm <clears throat> excuse me, I'm reading a book right now called The Biggest Bluff. Uh it's about uh, a woman who learned how to be uh learned poker to try to like master life. I mm. uh, and so it's a it's a nonfiction book. And in nonfiction books, at least most of the ones that I've read in the past, there's not as much uh, explaining of like circumstances or like situations. Mm-hmm. It's more just like, give me the facts and run it down. Yeah. She does a tremendous job of like kind of painting the scene for when she's meeting up with this world champion of poker and everything. And it like kind of brings you into the room. And I feel like that's kind of what you're talking about with the lyrics too, is to say like, Let's not just focus on the big things. Let's focus on those little details without maybe getting as detailed as a Dylan, you know, or, right, or an yeah. early Springsteen or something. But um, you know, being able to tell that full right. story and and uh, that that's a really cool concept to me. Well, you bring up Springsteen and like I believe he says something like about this like zoom in zoom out technique where it's like you zoom into the details to like make it feel real and then zoom out for the course to say, Hey, here's what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Like that's the overarching kind of what you're getting at, but like you support that thesis of what you're saying in the courses with the details. And yeah, I I think, yeah, you don't get those details if you're not paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Hang on to spring scene. I want to go back to him before, (laughs) before we do, uh, one last question about the writing process. So do you, are you strumming like a guitar? Are you on the piano? Cause you said you took piano lessons. Like how, how do you marry the lyrics of a song to the music of a song? I've always been interested right. in that. Um, I mean, a lot of times songs for me start with the words and then from the words, you kind of get the rhythm and melody. Um, so I'm not sitting down with a piano or a guitar until I have a melody or like some kind of words um just because i i i you know i i've played guitar for so dang long that like you fall into these certain patterns you know same thing with piano but like i i they're all tools i think to kind of augment how you think about it because you know i mean like i'll start with something some way and then like oh i'll switch this instrument you know to like look at it differently um you know this last record i wrote pretty much all on the guitar because that's what was available when i was you know like wanting to get that out whereas like the record before that um i was in our studio space a lot that had a piano so i wrote a lot of that on the piano so it's just kind of like i think i just used what's available and as far as like marrying words to melodies or or the actual music, I think it's just like, I think I have to have something more formed to get to there and then have it add to that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Does uh, any, does any input in terms of the sound come from your other band members? Like, are they collaborating? Like maybe in the final processes, like once you've got something right, at least pretty concrete, you know, written and then they're kind of putting their two cents in from there. Like, how does that work? It depends. I mean, like, you know, a lot of these songs will just be skeletons. You know, I'll be like, here's the words, here's the melody, here's the chords. It's going to be this rhythm. 
like, what do you want to do with it? And, you know, like, that is part of the beauty of being a band. Like, you give away some of that, you know, that, that, that agency that you have over the song. And, like, that's kind of a hard part about being in a band. You know, it's like you have this thing that you've created from, a, from its infancy, and then you just give it to somebody else to do what they want to do with it. And, like, right. I like that. And I, I, I like, I'm just, it's just because I trust these guys to like bring something cool to it. And there's, and there's songs where I go like, yeah, I was thinking it'd be more this. And then it goes that way. But I think it's the same, like same way it would work if somebody else was like, you know, I think we should do it this way. It just like, we all kind of have a say, um, you know, it, the cool part about it is like how democratic it really is. You know, like I, I, I have to give up, parts of myself which is really hard um but it's it's the cool part about being in a band so sure and i i can imagine at least to a certain extent that that carries over onto the stage you know where where you're talking about that energy like if you've got band members who believe in the song right uh, also contributed in some way to it like they're probably going to give it more energy than you know someone who right either doesn't have a say or, you know, for whatever reason, doesn't feel like they love, you know, the song. Um, Cause you know, to your point earlier, it's almost like you, you have to have a, a healthy obsession of love with what you do to be able to replicate it, you know, night after night or, you know, uh, tour after tour right. and everything. So um, it's just, it, it was a, you know, I saw you uh, two weeks probably after I was front row at an Eagles concert. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, uh, obviously, you know, the Eagles are a global, huge band. Yeah. Uh, been around for over 50 years. Um, it's kind of cringeworthy sometimes to watch them on stage, though, and to see, you know, it's pretty publicly well known how much they hate each other. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I guess for, for uh, lack of a better way of putting it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's almost like they're just there to collect a paycheck. Right. And, you know, you don't you don't necessarily see that as often in you know music or in sports it's it's a i think it's a more common concept in the corporate world where you know you just show up for work and you know you do what you have to do so you know to to see you guys and (laughs) compare it to what i had just seen i love the eagles and i love their music yeah yeah. and and everything but um it it was such a stark difference and, and i think um yeah that is something alone. If you know anyone who's listening to this has a chance to to see you to get out and do it, because uh, you'll you'll just enjoy the energy of the right. crowd of the band and everything. I mean, it's 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 fun for us, uh, and I, and we hope it makes it fun for everybody else. Yeah, 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 absolutely. All right, so we mentioned Bruce already, and <laughs> um, you know, I was doing a little bit of research, and I actually got super excited because. I saw, and I can't remember if you played this song uh, when I saw you in Charlotte. I, I would obviously know the next time I see you, but Given Up is a song that you wrote that was, um, at least what I read, was a nod to Tom Petty mm, and yeah. to Bruce Springsteen, uh, both of who are you know top three with the Eagles, probably in, in my favorite bands of all time, musicians, uh, et cetera. Uh, you can see the Springsteen album, oh, yeah. the Eagles sign so and tom's right next to me on my, on my right but uh 
I would just love to know, you know, is that, is that you, is that your influence? Is that a collective with the band? Like where does the Petty and the Springsteen influence come in? I mean, I've always been a huge Petty guy. I saw him at Bonnaroo and like, I think I got a poster back there. 2013, 10 years ago now. Um, nice. And that, that changed me for sure. Um, you know, just like the, I don't know. He also says in his documentary, like the connecting to like the magic of music, like just like give, yeah. given to like the fact that like, yes, music is mathematic and music is, you know, has all these like nuts and bolts, but there's also just like magic to it. And I love that about him and his stuff. And, 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 and I'm admittedly like a, a, a recent convert uh, to Springsteen. Like I was always like, aware and i always like dug like the hits um but i i didn't really like dig in until like covid and i just went crazy with it and and that like and that record like i was like i think my biggest ref like reference point was him you know in that given up song there's like a key change for like during the solo and it's straight up like it's a Springsteen key change like he he does that on a bunch of songs where like he'll go instead of just playing a solo he'll like key change to an and then play a solo and then have some really dramatic like chord to get back into the original key so it sounds like oh you're lifted up and it's it's the fact is just like he didn't get any higher because he can't sing any higher because he's at the edge of his range so like I I think it's the, the song was uh racing in the street off darkness on the edge of town. And like, I just was so struck by that, like bridge and, and like how it changed. So it's, it's not the same chords at all, but it's just like, like the feel and the like, Oh, we're going to go down a full step here. And then we got to come back up to this original thing in a dramatic way. that was total Springsteen. And I, and it was something that I like, I've never like had this, like, Oh, I want to put that into a song. Usually stuff just materializes. And that's not was something I was like, I want a key change and I want to like figure this out because that was cool as hell. So yeah. Yeah, I love that song definitely like feels like those kind of guys. Yeah, that's so cool. Very, very cool. And uh, someone can fact check me who's listening to this, but I'm pretty sure Racing in the Street is Springsteen's favorite song. Oh, really? Uh, you know, the the countless that he's written in his career and you know the tom petty thing is really cool too because so i just read dave grohl's memoir a little while ago mm. and uh when after nirvana and kurt cobain died tom petty was switching drummers and he needed a drummer for the wildfire flowers album they were going on snl and so he reached out to dave asked him to do it dave did it went really well and then he asked dave to be in the band and Nirvana was a little bit like the Eagles. I was telling my wife this, where it was like, maybe they didn't hate each other as much, but yeah. it was definitely a little on edge all the time and uh, just a not a great situation, I would yeah, say. Yeah. And, um, you know, Tom and that experience with the Heartbreakers 
he was like, this is real. Like this is, this is a brotherhood. Like Mm -hmm. you'll travel nicely. Things will be good. And Dave ultimately said no, because he didn't want to be known as that guy from Nirvana and went on to found the Foo Fighters and and everything. But I just thought it was uh, an interesting parallel to your band because it definitely feels like I felt that brotherhood again, that realness on stage. And it was like, that was, that was what I, the one time I got to see Tom Petty in the Heartbreakers was I think two months the day that he died Oh wow! back in 2017. And, um, it was one of my favorite shows and I'm just so grateful, but I could feel that too, just seeing him, like they still loved each other. They still loved playing music together after all those years. And that's the, that's the thing. Like even you probably saw him in some massive like stadium or Coliseum or theater, whatever. And it's, yeah. And you could still feel that, you know, like people, people can smell it when it's not real. And, and, (laughs) and I, you know, and like, so I don't know. I, I, I think I pride ourselves on being a band this long because you can't do that without being brothers. You can't do that without yeah. like that trust and that love. And I don't know. I, I, I think it's helped that we were, I mean, I have an actual brother in the band and then you like sure. a best friend, you know? So I'm like, I'm Bo's daughter's godfather, you know, it's, it we're so connected. Yeah. And I, and, and I think that informs everything we do. I loved how you introduced Bo as the uh, godfather of, of your daughter on stage oh, yeah. during the yeah. show. That was oh, no, really no. Cool. I'm the godfather to his daughter. Oh, right. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a whole lot of responsibility yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very, very cool. Uh, all right. One more question for you, Soren, sure. and then I got like three quick hitters yeah, that no we'll, we'll go through really quick. Um, I saw in the in the past that you've toured with Trampled by Turtles. Uh, and it looks like you had some type of relationship. What does that look like these days? What kind of influence does that band have on your band? Um, I mean, like we're, we actually, so we're doing a 10 year anniversary show, uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, to kind of celebrate everything. And to do that, we're going to be playing a set that we played 10 years ago. We found like this old set list and we're like learning all these old songs that we haven't played in forever. And like the first song we ever played on stage as a band was a trampled by turtle song. Um, you know, they loom so large in our musical community, like the string band slash like acoustic folk music community in the Midwest, but just because they've been at it for so long and they've been at it and they've done things that no other band has done in that space for us. You know, I mean like you have the bony verbs, but like, you know, like trampled is, is this, this much more like, I don't know. When we like toured with them, it was like, oh, these are just normal people. Or these guys just like love playing music too. And like, yeah. it, it made the whole thing more attainable to us. You know, I think you, you grow up with these people as your idols. Like we stood in line at their shows for a really, like I've waited six hours in line to get front row at one of their shows. And now I have their numbers on my phone and we talk to <laughs> So it's so weird, you know, like you have that, like, whatever, but, you know, Dave, the lead guy, um, he, pro- he produced one of our records. He was like, um, our, our die happy record. So we, we have this connection with them. We've gone out with them multiple times and, you know, like, I really can't say, you know, enough about like, just like real people, really kind, wonderful people. Um, and just very giving of their art and their like 
I don't know what you want to call platform or their, their power within the community. They have like a, a scholarship that they give away every year to musicians to just do whatever with, I think it's, I don't know. We, we would not exist without trampled and uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to call them friends now for sure. That's so cool. Thank you for sharing that. And great to hear that you have a, an awesome relationship. I'm going to see them first time in a long time for me, but one of my best friends, big super fan and, uh, even my other best friend has seen them at least a dozen times yeah. and uh, I'm catching up, but um, I'll definitely ha- let them know uh, about your band as well, since it's very yeah. uh, similar type, okay. type music and everything. But um, yeah, I actually had Christian, uh, their their manager on oh, the podcast cool. last month. Really nice um, guy. Yeah. 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 Super, super nice. And yeah. it just, it, make, it makes me happy that there are people like you and him and you know, everyone else in your band and their band who, seem like legitimately happy and just nice people and want to play good music, you know, like that's, that's a great thing for someone who loves music like myself to like, not feel like it's a jaded, like really toxic environment, you know, like, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of those people in the music business. It is (laughs) a cesspool, but like that, so that I think it makes it that much more like awesome when you come across people like Christian and, you know, like, and, and those guys, it's just like, it's like, Oh yeah. Like good guys can win kind of thing, you know, you know, so. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. So I've got a couple quick hitters for you and then I will let you go. Uh, All right. Let's start with some live stuff. Favorite tour spot that you've gone as a band. Uh, Maybe not the venue, but the city. Ooh, favorite city. Um, God, I got to think recently. I love North Carolina. I know I'm just going to like shout out because you were at Charlotte, but like we played Charlotte, like Asheville and Raleigh and like all of those were great. Like I was like, I could live here for sure. It's a good time of year to come to. It's not too hot yet, but it's definitely warmer than it is up your way. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) All right. Uh, Favorite song to play live? Uh, Of our songs or... Yeah, yeah, your songs. Yeah, oh, sorry. the we end with a song called Phil's Song that uh, it's just like, it's just this moment of catharsis at the end of the night that it just is powerful for me and for other people, and I love it. Yeah. yeah. All right. And last one, favorite song that you've written? Oh, um, favorite song that I've written? I love all my babies equally, <laughs> as my mom would say. Um you know, I it's for me it's weird because like the songs I'm excited about are the ones that are more recent. You know, because it just like is a bigger reflection of me. Um, I wrote a song called "Change, Etc." Uh, that's not going to be on our new record. That I I really really love. It's it's I feel like it's you know one of those songs that feels like it's written. If that you know what I mean, like it feels like there's intention and like you like that I thought about it a lot, but in reality, like I wrote it overnight, like, and during the recording sessions and we recorded it the next day, it was just like this very like organic quick thing. So it, it, for something, it feels so fully formed in such a small time. And I, and I'm really proud of that, I guess. So yeah, a song that you can't access on any streaming platforms, you know, I'm not good at promoing myself for sure. 
<laughs> it's not available yet. Yeah, but... someday, someday. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Soren, this has been uh, so great, and it's been such a pleasure getting an opportunity to speak with you, and uh, really has just uh, got me even more excited to keep diving more into your music, awesome. and hopefully getting to see you, you know, on the on the road again sometime soon. But I just want to say thank you so much for the music, uh, and thank you for the opportunity to come on the show today. Oh, thanks for having me. 